Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their Have you gotten Rommel yet? Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time. Big, big football game coming up time. I don't think we have anything prepared for this introduction time or this episode time. But you know what? We don't need it time because there's just a lot to talk about with this game time. Undefeated in October time, whatever time of day it is, boys and girls. It's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a Thursday afternoon. Late, late Thursday afternoon. Almost Thursday evening at this point, actually. Which means we're getting this out a little bit later than usual. Apologies. That is my fault. I had a dentist appointment today. Full disclosure. Full disclosure. Never wanted to... You know, you never want to record this thing too early on a Thursday because Hypel talks on a Thursday. And you never know, is he going to say something? He usually doesn't, but what if he does? Then we have to re-record it. So we usually wait until right after he talks Thursday. And what had happened was uh, I had the dentist appointment this time. So it's coming out a little bit later. Apologies for that. But we got a lot to talk about as 8th-ranked Tennessee travels to the Bayou to play 25th-ranked LSU Saturday noon Eastern at Tiger Stadium. Going to go over for now uh, to that home daycare center and get to Ryan Callahan, get to uh, ben McKee's house, which we still haven't named, which is, of course, the home of Ben McKee. Fellas, how are we doing this afternoon slash evening? Doing well. And, uh, and Wes, I like that you acted like it's unusual that we don't have anything planned for the intro and the podcast, as if we don't always just swing it. Yeah, it's, it, it's just consistently – I mean, usually sometimes we'll, we'll say, like, here's a couple of bullet points, right? Like a very brief thing. Here's first segment, here's second segment, and then sometimes we stick to it, sometimes we don't, but we have a plan. Uh, I never have one with the intro. I just say whatever's on my mind, and that's why they consistently get worse as I get older and dumber. But for the actual podcast itself, we sometimes have a loose, loose outline to work from. Benner, we're just, we're just free, we're freewheeling this thing. Yes, uh, you, you don't need uh an outline for for podcasts these days i mean you, you have a top 25 matchup in, in death valley this weekend everybody knows what to talk about and we've we've talked about it plenty i, I know i've mentioned it a thousand times on, on this very podcast but uh, this month is going to be a fun one uh with, with all of the potential football games coming up if if tennessee can handle business on on saturday you, you've got a top five undefeated matchup in Neyland Stadium next Saturday uh, against Alabama. And in no world did I think in year two of Josh Heupel that both Tennessee and Alabama would be undefeated in October and both teams would be ranked inside the top 25. Or, excuse me, inside the top five, I should say. Because, Wes, I think if Tennessee does beat LSU on Saturday, I think they fall in to the top five and – um, I, I, I think we'll start it here. If it's okay with you guys, uh, I was thinking big picture earlier today, uh, just kind of going off of that point about playing Alabama, you play LSU this weekend. And, and then I think people are also, and it, it is fair to underestimate right now because LSU this weekend, Bama next weekend, but that Tennessee Kentucky game is going to be a really good one at the end of the month as well. Just go back in and look the last couple of seasons. I, I know Tennessee has for the most part had, uh, Kentucky's number the last three, four seasons, but they've been really close or, football or, or games. Or the past e- existence of the both programs. 
Yes, but Tennessee lost the the COVID year, and and then what was the other time Stoops got got Tennessee? What it was uh, the, the twenty seventeen. Yeah, twenty seventeen. Yes. The Brett the Brett Kendrick uh, concussion game, and that ended up being one of the final straws for Butch Jones. Yes, um, or as I remember it, Tennessee catching a Hail Mary on the two-yard line to, to, to end the game uh, there in Lexington and, and lose by a couple of points. So, yes, Tennessee has obviously always dominated uh, Kentucky. But my point is the last couple of years, even though Tennessee has won, they've been great football games uh, and, and have come down to the wire. So looking at a big picture, I mean, you go 2-1 and one this month, which – it would seem the most likely path to two and one is a, a win over LSU and a win over Kentucky. You go two and one, you're going to Athens next month, uh, unless you just blow into Missouri, which I don't anticipate. Uh, I believe Missouri is the, the week before Georgia. Maybe I'm wrong on that. Um, but regardless, you're, you're going to Athens with a legitimate shot to, to go to Atlanta. If, if you could pull off an upset that day and beat Georgia West, you're going to, you're going to Athens with a shot to play in Atlanta the following month. That's the consequence of, of or, or the privilege, uh, the responsibility, I guess. I'm looking for the right word here. But there's a there are things that happen when you beat Florida, which Tennessee has not done very much at all, ever. But when Tennessee does it, all of a sudden, it starts to change the scope of the schedule a little bit. And that's what I was, I was talking about. Uh, on Thursday morning with the guys on uh, SEC radio was uh, I was saying guys you know normally Tennessee plays that that back half of Tennessee's conference schedule is almost always the softer version of the schedule Um, and so what happens is your first four or five games in league play you know you're going through a murderer's row in a lot of cases you know four or five of those first games it seems like every year in conference are, are really really tough and so when Tennessee hasn't been very good it's been a really long time since Tennessee played genuinely important football games in November. Now, some coaches have been coaching for their jobs and, and other things like that, and you're trying to get bowl eligibility during a rebuilding year and, and some of these things. Those things are very real, but in the national picture, they don't really matter much. I mean, they matter to Jimmy Sexton because if there's a coaching change, he gets all his guys more money. But generally speaking, for the national picture, they haven't mattered in November in a long time. And when you beat Florida, you open up the possibility of things in November being really, really important. And that changes. It just it feels like it's been a long time since Tennessee's gone into a late season with something like that to play for. And we're putting the, the cart a million miles in front of the horse here. But I think it's important to note that that if you just could find a way to beat Florida – all of a sudden the schedule opens up and gives you possibilities to do things you haven't done in a while. And, and that, as much as getting the Florida monkey off the back, so to speak, that was the most important part of it is you can maybe start playing meaningful football games in October and November now. And we're going to spend most of the time talking about LSU and that matchup, but it's important to note that, guys, this is a nationally relevant football program and it's October, which is a step in the right direction. Well, and that's that's what's at stake Saturday. I mean, that that, that I think to to bring it back to the LSU game shows you what's at stake with this game. This is a hugely important game for Tennessee because first of all, it's on the road. It's a place where Tennessee hasn't won a, a whole lot. Not 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 many teams have won a whole lot. Yeah. Tennessee doesn't even play there a whole lot. Um, they did win there in 2005, of course, in that that strangely played Monday night game after Hurricane Rita. Um, uh, but they lost, obviously, in ridiculous fashion in 2010, uh, lost in 2000 in overtime to to that Nick Saban coach team. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a tough place to play. That was the, um, the Rohan Davy game, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. They get to play uh, get to play during the day, so that 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 helps Tennessee, I think, uh, as we've discussed before. But I, you know, that shows you what's at stake because this is this is the road game among those where, and the line is. Very close, which tells you a lot of people are really thinking LSU's got a shot on this. Vegas clearly thinks LSU's got a real shot in this. Um, it, it's it's an interesting matchup and a tough one for Tennessee. But you know, to your point, and I had I hadn't really gone back and thought about this since the Florida game, but it's something I thought about leading up to the Florida game. Look at the last five times Tennessee beat Florida and what that opened up. What ended up happening as a result of that? Ninety-eight, they go on to win the national championship. Of course, two thousand one, they have a chance to play for the national championship and blow it in the SEC title game. 2003, they don't win the SEC East that year, but they go on to win 10 games, have a nice season. 2004, they win the East. 
in 2016, they should have won the East, blew it that year, but they're ranked in the top 10 before it all kind of fell apart. So every time Tennessee beats Florida, it definitely opens the door for big things to happen for Tennessee. And that's obviously the case again this month. And as you said, Ben, if they just can find a way to win two of these next three SEC games, obviously UT Martin is sort of the, um, the, the, the game to overlook during this month. But sorry, if they can win these sorry, next, yeah, two sorry, of these next Jason three, Simpson. Sorry, Jason Simpson, friend of the pod. But, yes, you, yeah. uh, you can probably over, be overlooked there. That's Tennessee's almost second open date. Let's call it what it is. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, if they can find a way to just win two of these next three, and it almost doesn't matter which two because you beat Alabama and lose one you're not supposed to, I think you'd take that in a way because it's a win over Alabama. But whatever two you could win, that puts you in the discussion, as you said, going into that November 5th game at Georgia. To, to have a chance to win the SEC East. And, and thank goodness the SEC changed Tennessee's schedule where that game is in November, and it further opens up the opportunity for Tennessee to be playing relevant games in November that have a bearing on a division championship like that. Well, and, and we're talking about this month and the, the potential if Tennessee has a successful October as if this is Tony Vitello's baseball program breaking through and, and doing things that they've really – never done before or only done once or twice. But, and it's because Tennessee football has, has been asleep a or dead for, for far longer than, than it should have been. But this is what Tennessee football is supposed to be, is playing these type of games at the end of September, playing these type of games in October to where you go into the month of November and you have a chance to, to, go play in the SEC championship game or, or now in today's college football world, go play in the college football playoffs. My, my good friend and Wes's good friend, Jason Swain says all the time, folks, remember what you do in November, yep. because in, in November, those games determine whether your season is going to be a success or a failure. Josh Heifel's program is, is ahead of schedule right now. So he's still in that honeymoon phase. Um, there's not the, the great expectation of, make it to Atlanta or bust, even if this month doesn't go as planned or, or, or if it isn't a successful month for Tennessee. But this is what Tennessee football is, and it's nice to be reminded what Tennessee football is. We talked about it after the Florida win and how Josh Heupel stopped the report and said, no, this is, this is what Rocky Top is. These are the type of games that are played here. We just haven't been able to play them the last several years because Tennessee football hasn't been – what it is supposed to be so it, it it kind of feels like there's this new vibe to the program because it hasn't been accomplished in so long but these are the type of games that I grew up watching and I know there there are many people older than me that 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 is their standard I, I my earliest memories of Tennessee football is Tennessee playing down there on a Monday night after Katrina and, and Gerald Riggs finding a way to get in the end zone and 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 win the game uh, I, I those are my earliest memories, and, and I know that many other people have even deeper memories of Tennessee football playing in these type of meaningful games. So it, it kind of feels like we're talking about it in a sense of, of this has never happened before because Tennessee has been dead for far longer than it should be. But it is a nice reminder that, that these type of football games that Tennessee is playing in the month of October, this is what Tennessee football really is. Yeah, and and you know what what LSU football is right now is something that – it hasn't really been – I mean, it's been off and on for a couple of years now, but you go from having one of the the most juggernaut teams that I've ever seen in this league, uh, and then you go from that to obviously things kind of fall apart. Ogre gets kicked to the can. Now you've got Brian Kelly there. And, and, and Brian Kelly is – say whatever you want about him. He is – maybe not the the nicest guy in the world maybe not the maybe not the friendliest guy on the block maybe not the the but a bit of an awkward duck at times but he's a hell of a football coach always has been it's, it's not easy to do what he did at Notre Dame look what happened you know since he left i mean it's it's it's, it's not easy in this day and age uh, to do what he did there and, and he's always been a good football coach, but the way they play, it was going to take time. It was going to, they had some talent, but they also had some turnover there in the roster. They got a new brand of football that they're playing there, putting in new systems. You know, you're always in that awkward transition where you try to kind of blend what you do and combine it with what the previous guy did and then trying to get things going. This is not a bad time to be playing LSU. Now, LSU did look better 
it's been fighting because that first game could have gone either way, right? It, it could have. Let's let's call it what it is. It was a surprising loss, but it really is a crazy game. Could have gone either way. Florida State made the final play and won the game. Since then, LSU has not lost a game. It's climbed its way back into the polls. Now, it hasn't been pretty. There was nothing pretty about that LSU-Auburn game. That was one of those kind of fist fight in the phone booth, kind of blood everywhere, not a really well-played thing. LSU won it. And now LSU gets to come home and play a team that is a top-10 team at home. It's a big, big game for LSU, big game for Brian Kelly, but it's not necessarily a terrible matchup for Tennessee because the way Tennessee plays, looking at that compared to where this, where the, where this LSU team is, Tennessee's favored in this game for a reason, right? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, I, 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 this game reminds me of the Florida game um, in, in the sense that Tennessee is better than Florida on paper. Tennessee is is more than likely going to have the, the best football player on the field on Saturday. But just because you're the better team on paper doesn't mean that you're going to go on and, and win the football game. You, you still have to show up and, and execute. And uh, LSU is, just like Florida, more than capable of beating Tennessee, especially when you look at the concerns in the secondary and I know people are kind of sleeping on Jane Daniels right now because uh, he only threw for 80 yards against Auburn last week. But w- with the way that LSU's – or excuse me, with the way that uh, Tennessee's secondary lets guys run open through the secondary, I, I honestly don't think that that matters. And, and honestly, one of my bolder takes for this football game is that Jane Daniels and the LSU passing game that really hasn't clicked just yet – is going to have a big day, uh, and big day is in 300, 350 yards. I, I just don't see Tennessee secondary taking that big of a step forward in such a short amount of time. We, we talked about it at, at length. I just kind of think the secondary is what it is, and Tennessee's success to winning football games is going to be the offense putting up points uh, and the, the defensive front seven slowing down the run, bottling up the run, uh, and just trying to play bend but don't break defense because of what you have on the back end of the defense. So uh, this this game just really, really reminds me of, of the Florida game. A lot of questions about Anthony Richardson coming in, and he looked terrific against Tennessee secondary. Uh, Jane Daniels, I, I, I don't, I'm not saying he's going to throw for 450 yards, but I think he'll have a nice afternoon throwing the football. And, and look, those LSU receivers, they haven't done a ton they're, they're uh, so far this hell. year. They're talented. They have a – whole lot of talent and uh Kayshawn Boutte it's just a matter of time before he he breaks out so far this year he has 11 catches for 97 yards and zero touchdowns in five games whereas in the first five games last season he had 30 catches 436 yards and nine touchdowns in five games last year so he's a guy that's going to be one of the first receivers off the board uh and they have some other guys as well that can make plays so uh, we'll see how Tennessee secondary uh, does on Saturday, but ultimately I, I think this comes down to Hendon Hooker and, and the offense, Ryan, and how, how could you not have a ton of confidence in Hendon Hooker right now? He is by far the most efficient quarterback in the entire country at the moment, and I, I think he's going to prove to be the difference in the game. Yeah, I, now I, I think it's really interesting. I, I think it shows you what the – when you really kind of dig deeper into this matchup, you know, like you were saying, West Tennessee is favored for a reason, and I think a big part of that is just Hendon Hooker and and what you can count on Tennessee's offense being able to do on a weekly basis. Uh, as, as we saw in the pit game, even when they're off, they're going to get their share of points. You know that one was what twenty seven in regulation or uh, whatever it was, but it's you're you're not going to uh, to hold that offense down for four quarters. So they're going to get their points you've got to score a decent amount to, to outscore them usually. And so I think that, and, and just the way Hendon Hooker has played this year gives Tennessee sort of the benefit of the doubt. But I think the fact that the line has stayed around two and a half, three the, the past few days tells you there's a lot of belief in this LSU team. And, you know, maybe it, it, and on one hand, it is a good time to be playing them. I, I'd rather play LSU now than a year from now, for sure, because I think they're going to continue to get better under Brian Or the Kelly. end of the season. Yeah, maybe maybe under the end of the, uh, by the end of the season too that they're they're getting better week by week. So I think the better time to play them, frankly, was week one when Florida State got them and 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 picked up a, what was a big win for that program. But they're they're rounding into form as the season progresses. 
Last year was the great time to get him. If you could have gotten LSU to rotate on the schedule last year, that's a big win. But you know, now they're still at least a beatable team, but they look like they're starting to figure things out. Now, now Jaden Daniels, again, we, we talked about it earlier this week, need to be more aggressive in the Auburn game. They're wanting him to take more shots down the field. How can you not now against this Tennessee secondary yeah. uh, that's going to be a, <laughs> a big storyline? You would be the world's biggest idiot to not do it in this game. <laughs> yeah. So they – so we will see that that's obviously going to be a huge storyline to this game. Does D Williams and his addition to, to what it, you know, Josh Heupel made it sound like today would be a very significant role potentially in the secondary on Saturday. Does his addition to the, to the mix and, and does Tennessee's chance to maybe reset a little bit during the open date, self scout reassess what it's doing in the secondary. Does that result in any tweaks or changes that get at least a little bit better results in the secondary. I'm not expecting a, tr- a transformation from that group, but does it make things at least more manageable for Tennessee in the secondary to where they don't, as Ben was saying, have that kind of breakthrough day for Jaden Daniels uh, that looks like it gets LSU's offense on track and, and gets Boutte going and all that? Uh, can they avoid that kind of performance by just you know taking advantage of the open date in the two weeks to prepare for this? And on the offensive side, I think they're going to be without Cedric Tillman in this game most likely, and so that means they've got to do what they did against Florida again, and this time against what I would say is a better defense uh, at LSU. They, they've got to continue to put up yards with Jalen Hyatt, Brew McCoy, Ramel Keaton needs to have another big game uh, if Tillman indeed is out. So that that's that's a big ask. I think Florida was a much more vulnerable team defensively than LSU in a lot of ways. The, the offensive line's got to hold up. You've got to do a lot of things well. But at the end of the day, like, like you said, I think it, it's going to come down to can Hendon Hooker carry this team in a sense the way he did against Florida? Uh, he had 461 yards of total offense. I think it might take a similar type of performance from him for Tennessee to win this game. And they've got to be at least a little bit better, I think, on defense. Yeah, that's something I think we're going to pick up here in the second segment because I I, I think there's – as good as Hendon Hooker is, like you, you, you don't want the margins to be so fine that he has to be Superman to win every single week. You, it's just hard to count on. There's no way around the quarterback being as important as the quarterback is in modern football, especially in um, all the throwing and everything. But it's just hard to to put so much and be like, hey man, this entire thing's in your hands. Go win this game. Uh, they 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 gotta they gotta figure out a way to to kind of widen the margin for error there because you just can't expect anyone to go out there and be Superman every single week. It's it's, it's just it's it's a hard strategy, and, and I don't know that in the long run it's a it's a winning strategy if you want to be there at the end of the season and competing for something that really matters. So that's something I think we're gonna have to keep discussing, and we will. But we're slightly overdue for a break. So right now, let's step away, uh, pay some bills, listen to products, services, in-house ads, etc. And then we'll be right back here on the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad money! Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back to the Go Vols 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Ryan Callahan coming to you from his home daycare center. And Ben McKee coming to you from Ben McKee's house. We just have to find something better than that to call it. We will. We've gotten some some suggestions from, from the from the listeners, from the from the, the, the friends of the pod out there. 
We'll keep trying. We haven't quite found one that we're like, oh yeah, that's that's the, that, that's the one. It's, it's just going to have to. It's going to have to be one of those things. It's going to have to be born organically, just like uh, most of the things on this podcast are. So uh, we're going to get back to talking more Tennessee football. Obviously, a huge game coming up on Saturday, Vols and LSU. We will be discussing more of that for the second segment. But before we do that, guys, just a quick uh, request from our end, if you don't mind, if you could take about a minute out of your day, let's say 60, 75, 90 seconds tops, and go in there and subscribe to this podcast and rate and review this podcast. That would help us out a ton. If you're just listening on the website, we love you. There's no wrong way to consume this podcast. That's fine. Any way you're listening to this podcast is a good thing. But what helps us out the most is if you go on there on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, anywhere in the world, you can cast the fine pod. You can find this Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We do it for free, and we're happy to do it. It's a labor of love. Very, very few complaints from our end. But what helps us out the most is if you go in there, rate, review, and subscribe, and tell friends, right? Uh, Go out there and tell people you're playing golf with, tell people you see at church. Uh, If you're stopped at a red light, you see somebody wearing orange, roll down the window, honk, and be like, hey, I'm not creeping on you. I just want to tell you that you're wearing a Tennessee shirt, and you should listen to the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. And I wish you were my friend because I don't have any, but uh, you look like a nice person, and you should listen to this podcast. So if you're doing all those things, thank you. We love you. If not, I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Guys, Tennessee, LSU, keys to the game. We know, we know driver five, Hendon Hooker. We know Hendo Cinco. We know he's the number one key for Tennessee, right? We know that. It's uh, it's a quarterback-friendly offense. He's a very good one. Tennessee goes fast. He, he He's the, the point guard, the distributor, the guy who runs everything. But Tennessee needs some help. Uh, Tennessee, I I don't think when you look at how good Hendon Hooker was against Florida, you cannot expect that every week. I just just don't think you can. And the question to, to my mind then becomes, what else can Tennessee do? And the easy answer would be, uh, maybe get some guys running the ball a little better, get some guys going in, in the running game. And I'm wondering, how much do you think, especially if Cedric Tillman is indeed out for this game? We know Tennessee likes to throw the ball. We know they're going to do that. But we also know this offense is based around the run. It always has been since Josh Heupel's been a, a coach, a coordinator, a position coach, all those things. It always is going to be. But can Tennessee go out there and run the ball Better Does it have the, the equipment? Does it have the personnel? Does it have the scheme right now to go out there and do that this month? I think so. Now, against Alabama, that, that's a different question. Uh, and for, forget the month. Let's talk, just talk about uh, L- LSU. I think they do against LSU. Uh, the, the, the LSU defense has talent. The front seven has talent. Uh, B.J. Ojolari off the edge. Uh, he, he's a future NFL guy. Uh, but then they, they have some big old dudes up front along the interior uh, as well. They did lose Mason Smith. I believe he's a former five-star, uh, former five-star or not. He was a heck of a player as a true freshman last year, all-SEC type of player, uh, arguably the best defensive tackle in the SEC this season. He tore his ACL against Florida State, but they, they still have some other big-time players up front. Allie Gay at defensive end, he's 6'6", 265. Uh, a big old boy uh, that that can certainly wreak some havoc. Uh, Jacqueline Roy, Missouri transfer, Makai Wingo, uh, and, and then they have some other guys who, who have a little bit of experience uh, as well. So they have some dudes up front. I, I don't know that they're the the dudes that that we've necessarily become accustomed to at LSU, but they're still really good, really solid college football players. So I, I think a, a key matchup offensively for Tennessee is, is how does Jerome Carvin and Javante Spragans and Cooper Mays, the interior of that line, how, how do they handle the beef of LSU? And I will say, you kind of combine uh, the, the statistics and, and stats don't tell the whole story, but those defensive linemen that I mentioned, Roy, Gay, and Wingo, one-and-a-half TFL, one-and-a-half TFL, one TFL. The, the three have combined for three-and-a-half TFLs in, in five games, and, and I, I think that they should have more production – than that and they've only combined for two sacks uh, amongst the three in those five games so I don't know that they're necessarily playing to their potential whereas I, I think Spragans is playing great football right now uh, Cooper Mays is quietly having a really solid season as he stays healthy knock on wood somewhere 
Uh, and then Jerome Carvin is just a really solid college football player. I, I really think the the matchup outside of Hooker versus the LSU secondary uh, is the, the matchup to circle is Darnell Wright uh, and B.J. Ojolari, uh, assuming that Ojolari lines up with Darnell. Also considered Gerald Mincy in, in that as well. If I'm LSU, I'm, I'm trying to, to match uh, Ojolari on Mincy. Not not necessarily because Mincy has done anything wrong, but obviously Darnell Wright is the better of the two offensive tackles, and I don't know how much they move B.J. Ojolari around, uh, but if they if that is something that they like to do, then I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him on Mincy. The tackle matchup versus Ojolari is the matchup to watch kind of on offense and defense when it comes to Tennessee's offense, LSU's defense, in my opinion. But also, I'm real curious to see what the linebackers do. And talking to some people this week that know football better than I, uh, Mike Jones, the former Clemson linebacker, uh, Greg Penn the third, and, and then Harold Perkins, a, a true freshman, he's been phenomenal this year. But those three guys, they they can thump. They'll, they'll come up and, and hit you real hard. But the, the speed from sideline to sideline – is somewhat questionable. So I'll be curious to see uh, if Tennessee tries to stretch them out and tries to get them running sideline to sideline. But ultimately, Ryan, I do think that this is a Tennessee offense that can run the ball with this particular personnel as Wes Faze or, uh, asked the question the way that he did. Uh, and in a large part, just because of the system. I mean, LSU is going to be really concerned about the receivers on the perimeter, Cedric Tillman or not, and just naturally because of how Tennessee's splits are so wide and, and because of the tempo, I think naturally you can run against any personnel, to be honest. I, I think so, too. Now, I, I, I will say this. that That's maybe one of the bigger questions I have about this game, so I'm glad you brought it up, Wes, because I, I, I don't know if Tennessee is going to be able to duplicate what it did against Florida. When I thought Jabari Small, even coming off that injury, a week earlier, had a pretty good game. Uh, what, 19 for 90, I think, rushing. Really, so, and, and he had 30 yards receiving, too. Really, really tough yeah. performance from him. Agreed. So, yeah, if they can get that out of him every week uh, and he runs as hard as he did in that game, I think they're going to be in good shape, and I think they're, they're going to be able to, to run it well enough to, to maintain a balanced offense. But if we see Tennessee against a what I think is a, a pretty talented LSU defense. Again, I think personnel-wise, they're probably better overall than, than Florida not, on the defensive side of the ball. Not always deep, but yes. Yeah, so, so if, if they revert a little more to what we saw in the pit game, when obviously in the second half especially they struggled to get much going, didn't run the ball for the second straight year against Pitt, um, if, if, if we see that offense again this week, then that's where you get into dangerous territory because that obviously is the type of game Hendon Hooker is going to go after win single-handedly. Now, the good thing for Tennessee is it sounds like that running back room is going to be back to full strength this week uh, with Dylan Sampson returning to the mix. That, that, that's, that's maybe a big deal because I, I don't know how much they'll be willing to play him. We've seen them sort of in games like this so far, the Pitt and the Florida games. They sort of cut down the rotation a little bit, it seems, and, and, and pl- you know, lean on the veterans, which would suggest – you're going to see a lot of Jabari Small and Jalen Wright, but if they're willing to mix in Dylan Sampson, and I would hope they are, um, then that he's an interesting X factor in this game. Going back home, you'd have to imagine he's very motivated to, to play well, um, and, and I would think he's he's a guy that could add something. Again, as we talked about all preseason camp, he can sort of give you some dynamics that this this running back group otherwise might not have uh, in terms of that, that game breaking speed and explosion. So I, I think I think that running back group overall is in much better shape now that they're. They're back at or closer to full strength and should have everybody healthy. That gives you a better chance, but I think it does depend on that offensive line. You know, Gerald Mincy, I think, has been very solid in pass protection. I don't think he's the most imposing figure yet in the running game, so he's he's got to be better up front uh, when it comes to running the ball. They've got to continue to do more of what they did in the Florida game, but I think it is a tougher matchup, much like that Pitt game, where it wouldn't shock me if Tennessee has some trouble running the ball, and if that's the case – I think that makes Hendon Hooker's job a lot tougher, as it would in, in most games, but especially because there's so much already on his shoulders. You know what's interesting is that in talking with some people on the program this week, I, I've I've heard, and, and again, sometimes you get a better, a more honest assessment of these things after the fact, because um, people are naturally cautious about what they say going into a game. But I've heard that Hypel and those guys feel pretty decent about where things are right now. I, you know, I mean, you got you got to get healthier during the bye week, which helps. But what's interesting to me is, and I've heard this from several people, because I I was talking to people about how during the Florida week, I think the way Hypel was kind of calm and a steadying guy all week long, 
how much that maybe helped Tennessee in a series where mental issues and things have been a problem and being uptight and being nervous. And someone, multiple people now brought this up to me, that they thought Heupel was more nervous going into the pit game because of how much it, how much Narduzzi has seen his offense recently. Uh, some of the things Narduzzi does defensively that give his offense some problems. Um, he, he was maybe more nervous going into that game uh, in some ways than he was the Florida game. And I think they feel pretty decent about this one. Um, but we'll see. you got to go out there and prove it, certainly. It, it's... Is it a good thing to get a, a week off and get healthier? Yeah, but sometimes it's not. Sometimes you want to keep momentum going. Sometimes you want to go out there and play. You never really know until you go out there and see it. But but my my last big question I have for this episode is, and maybe y'all have more, which is fine. But but the last major question that I have is it something that I've been thinking about as I'm putting together sort of the my thoughts on what I will predict for the score in this game, and, and that to me is is how much better can Tennessee play? Because early in the season, it's pretty common to hear this saying, you know, they've not played their best football yet, or if they play their best football, things will be better. And sometimes teams do play better as the season goes on, guys. Sometimes, Sometimes they don't. And my question is, when you look at what Tennessee has done for the past, you know, four games, we, they've been able to self-scout now. They've been able to do some things, look at some stuff, get some guys healthier. We'll see. But how much of this stuff that we've seen from Tennessee with the pieces they have now, how much better do we think Tennessee can play? Let's toss the results out of it and talk about just Tennessee in a vacuum. How much better can Tennessee play? Because I, I honestly don't really have a great feeling for that yet. Because I think, you know, Hooker is playing really well, is missing a couple throws here and there, but the numbers are fantastic. D. Williams coming back maybe helps the secondary. Um, but it, in some places, I'm like, I'm not sure. They might just kind of be what they are. So what do you all think about that? I, I think it's still a little bit early to say that they're a, a finished product. Uh, I think the offense is I, – I think the offense can certainly play better. I don't know that Hendon can play better than he did against Florida – but I think the offense as a whole can play better when you look at uh, some of the the silly mistakes that have really nothing to do with your ceiling on offense, at least in my opinion. Uh, and what I what I mean is, like Princeton fan fumbling in the red zone, and and then on the the next drive, whether it was Hooker late on a read that forced him to to have his throw behind Warren. And yes, Warren could have caught that as well because he got two hands on it. Uh, it was a difficult catch, but like those kinks can be ironed out still. Uh, and to me, those are they're, those are more early season mistakes than than something else. Or, or Tennessee maybe just having uh, a concern in that particular area. And look, you really have to nitpick the offense at this point. In, in my opinion, they did not yeah. play well against Pittsburgh uh, at, at times. But for the most part this season, the offense has been tremendous. I mean, nobody in the entire country is putting up more yards than the Tennessee offense. So it kind of feels silly to sit here and and have this conversation. But I think that they can get better because you do see things, if you are watching closely, you you see things that can easily be be cleaned up. And again, I don't don't know if Hendon can play better, but I do think the offense can have a more complete game. You you look at the fan fumble. You look at some of the pre-snap penalties you, you you look at the awkwardness of of the four minute offense trying to run the clock out at the end of the game those are things you can improve on as the season progresses defensively I do think the secondary just kind of is what it is from a personnel standpoint but you'd like to have a glass half full approach and, and think that okay maybe Brandon Turnage can find some confidence maybe Wesley Walker can get on the field a little bit more maybe Andre Turntine by the end of October can can factor into the safety rotation or, or maybe Christian Harrison, Deshaun Rucker, maybe one of the young corners can progress enough by mid-November to, to where that spot looks better than, than what it is. I think Jawan Mitchell, at inside linebacker, is only going to get better and better each game that he plays after missing a, a year and a half of football. Uh, essentially and and Rodney Garner and his defensive linemen you know they're going to get better over the course of the season so I I don't know that the offense can necessarily 
just leaps and bounds, night and day different type of improvement. But I think the defense can can certainly improve. Uh, and going back to your last question, I, I'm I'm not worried about the the offense going into this football game. I'm more concerned about the defense and talking about taking pressure off of of Hendon and whether it's the running game or not. I think the bigger question is, can the defense take the pressure off of Hendon and Tennessee's offense? Because I, I think Tennessee's offense can win in a shootout. Uh, I think Tennessee's offense could pull away like they did against Missouri or South Carolina, but that's going to be dictated by how Tennessee's defense performs. Can they contain Jane Daniels and his legs? Can they not allow a talented receiver group to run wide open? Uh, I think that's where the help for Hendon needs to come to come from more so than on the offensive side of the ball can the defense take a step forward and I think the only way that they can do that is if the if individual players improve and then because of that the group as a whole improves yeah I, I think Tennessee definitely can improve and this this is obviously the, the, the difference between us and coaches if you ask Josh Heupel this question he would say well of course we can improve we, we definitely can play better <laughs> uh, every coach in America thinks that I do think Tennessee's offense is much closer to its ceiling right now uh, than the defense is. I, I think the offense, I mean, like Ben said, they're <laughs> they're leading the country uh, in total offense right now. Hard to improve on that much. Um, now they haven't played at the same time what I would consider an elite defense. Um, so they're, they're going to be tested more in the coming weeks, obviously starting this week, but more so Alabama, Georgia, teams like that in the, in the next month are going to really put that to the test and see if, if that offense can be slowed by anyone. Uh, but but they've they've been pretty consistent so far. Hard to have any complaints there. And I think what they did against Florida, it, you know, there are some things they can certainly do better. The, the the red zone turnover, you know, Princeton Fant running running short of the first down marker on the the late fourth down play, things like that. You can improve in those areas for sure. There are mistakes they need to avoid making. But overall, I think it, it, they're a lot closer to playing uh, a more complete game than the defense. The defense, and I would say the big thing they can do better is not necessarily the secondary. We would point to the secondary probably as the biggest concern for them, but I think where they've got to improve is in the pass rush a little bit, um, just getting to the quarterback more. They've been pretty disruptive in terms of hurries. They've not been as good as I thought they would be in terms of actually delivering sacks. Uh, Byron Young and Tyler Barron with one sack each through their first four games, I'm a bit surprised by that, especially with, with Byron Young. I thought they would be a little more productive to this point. So if those guys can take things to another level, I think that makes a huge difference for a defense that's struggling to cover in the back end. So uh, that's that's the key to me to Tennessee's defense taking a step from being pretty bad at times to being respectable enough to to help them win some games this uh, this the rest of this season. If they can just be a little bit better in terms of the pass rush, not just disruptive, which I think they did a pretty good job of at least making Anthony Richardson beat him with his uh, his arm. Problem is he did in a lot of cases, but he didn't beat them with his legs, and that was their their number one goal going into that game. They need to do that again against Jaden Daniels. He's he's a he's a tough tough guy to defend. But they if they can do that again this week and, and sort of mirror that game plan in terms of at least containing Jaden Daniels, uh, I think the key then is just getting that pass rush to actually close the deal and get some sacks and not just disrupt things. If they can do that, I think this defense can improve even with what they have and, and the limitations that are already kind of in place personnel-wise. Yeah, sack numbers are interesting because they're they're really kind of down nationally. You're seeing more quick game stuff. You're seeing quarterbacks who are more mobile right now. And I think it was – I want to give credit where it's due. I think it was uh, our good friend Seth Emerson from The Athletic who wrote a story about this about a month ago maybe, uh, talking about how sack numbers are down. And I think when you look at a guy like Byron Young on film – He's still doing a lot of good things. He's got 10 quarterback hurries in five games, and his pressure numbers are even more than that. I mean, he's put on a lot of, uh, of quarterback pressures on there. But at the end of the day, he has one sack. And this would be a really good game for him to go out there and get that number up. This would be a really good time to do that because if you're Tennessee and you're starting to do the calculus of how do you win the game, with Tennessee's offense – Normally, if you can just make the opponent maybe three or four times a game not score on a drive, whether that is a punt, turnover, turnover on downs, whatever it is, then you can have a better chance, I think a pretty good chance of winning a lot of your games. And if you can get a sack, the, the numbers for, for as few sacks as there are now, the percentages still 
are just they go they just drop off a cliff on drives where if you get a sack the the percentages of points going on the board it just it plummets and and so if they can do that this would be a hell of a time for Byron Young to to kind of get those one or two extra steps done and and get Daniels on his backside. Well, well not just those. Two. Oh, sorry, I was going to throw in Joshua Josephs is is the other guy that I think we could see help take this defense to another level. I think they've got to get him on the field more. Um, he's he's been out there some, shown flashes. I think that's a guy that you know, especially after an open date where where you're kind of helping young guys come along. I, I think it's it's maybe time to unleash him a little bit more, uh, get him in the rotation a little bit more. But that's a guy who every time I see him out there, he's he's making something happen. It seems like, and and I think he can add to that pass rush too. So I think if those those three guys on the edge in particular, but but really the, the defensive front as a whole, if they're getting to the quarterback better, and, and maybe those young guys can help with that, um, Josephs and potentially others if they can get Tyree West and others to contribute more throughout the season, but especially Josephs. That, that could make a difference as well. It's not all on Byron Young, but he certainly needs to be the one to, to sort of lead that group. And it'll, it'll be a real shame if they're not able to to get to the quarterback this week, in in my opinion. I, I thought the defensive front played really well against Pittsburgh. I thought overall they played really well uh, against Florida as well. My only critique about the Florida game is that it seemed like it took them a minute to, to kind of get going uh, and really didn't come on until the third and fourth quarter before they really started making Anthony Richardson pay. And, and look, there's no better time to step up and make some plays than the third and fourth quarter. But uh, I'm sure the coaches were preaching more consistency and uh, doing it uh, in the first half as well. But uh, my point is that it, it'll be a real shame if they can't take advantage of an LSU offensive line that doesn't necessarily lack talent, but it, it certainly isn't an offensive line that should just prevent Tennessee from getting to Jane Daniels. They have two freshman tackles, and both were highly recruited. Uh, Will Campbell uh, at left tackle and then Emory Jones at right tackle, and and they're going to be really good football players. They'll be drafted one day. They they may be uh, at LSU for three years, Uh, but that's a matchup that Byron Young should take advantage of. I, I even think Roman Harrison, who maybe not isn't playing a ton, but I, I think he's looked pretty good this year for a, a backup uh, to, to, to yeah. Byron Young. And I agree with Ryan. I think Joshua Josephs is just going to play more and more as the season uh, progresses. But that, that LSU offensive line, it, it, it's had a tough start to the season. Uh, and part of that is some injuries. Uh, Garrett Dellinger, their, their starting center, who also starts at left guard, uh, he broke his hand and missed the Auburn game last week. Uh, in, in that Auburn game, and and say what you will about Auburn football, they still have some nice players up front defensively, yes. uh, but still not a, an Auburn defense that you should be giving up three sacks and eight tackles for a loss uh, against. And now in the season, LSU's offensive line has allowed 16 sacks, which is second most in the SEC. And it's not all on the offensive line. Jane Daniels holds the ball a, a, a little too long. Uh, Brian Kelly just flat out said in his press conference this week that they're trying to get him to be more aggressive and, and push the ball down the field more. So I do think uh, the the inability for Jane Daniels and the receivers to, to connect to this point has uh, hampered the offensive line from a statistical standpoint. But it, it's, a, it's a matchup that I think when you look at LSU's O-line, UT's D-line defensive front, I think that's a matchup that favors Tennessee. And, and if it can play out that way, I think that's the help that not only the secondary desperately needs, but I think it's the help that Hendon Hooker and the offense needs as well as we were talking earlier. Yeah, I, I agree with all of that. I, I think this would be a good time to do it. I mean, you remember when Tennessee's offensive line, what was it, when when Wanye Morris and Darnell Wright were both freshmen starting at tackle, and you were like, hey, these guys are really, really nice prospects, but they are freshmen, and sometimes they look like freshmen and they got whipped a little bit. So, yeah, Tennessee – ought to do that you would imagine that you know whether it's Byron Young or you know especially Byron Young but also you know Tyler Barron Joshua Joseph Roman Harrison uh, who does flash sometimes and make some nice plays he really does he's kind of just slowly improved throughout his career Uh, I I think there's the chance for Tennessee to 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 stop them a couple times and which might be all this offense needs but you know it is Tiger Stadium it's not Tiger Stadium it's not Death Valley at night but it's Death Valley still so I think the start for this game for Tennessee is really important. Um, you know, that was the first time the Florida game, 
first time in, in Heupel's tenure they didn't score in the first quarter, didn't score a touchdown. So this would be a good time to go out there. You got an 11 a.m. kickoff. The Cajuns are still kind of shaking one off from the night before. Be a good time to start early. This would be a really good time to start early to get that mojo going back again where your first two possessions are two touchdowns. That that would be this would be a great time for that. So lots well, it, of go, it, go ahead, Ryan. It would be, but I was we've talked we've touched on this a little bit this week, but I think that's one of the more challenging things about this matchup is that LSU has come back from double digit deficits a couple times already this year. They they're not going to be rattled if they if Tennessee gets them down early. I thought. Florida, oh no, I'm talking about the crowd kind of yeah, at, at Death oh, Valley sure. kind of you know, which usually spurs them on in a lot of these big games, and and yeah. and it would be a good time to kind of keep them quiet early. Oh no, no question, and, I, and that that still would behoove Tennessee to do that um, because they they was one of their strengths that last year. They sort of just come out with a one two punch right out of the gates, and you're down fourteen nothing before you've even uh, got your feet under you. So they, if they could get back to that, it's going to be a big advantage. But I, I, I do think that is a challenge of this game. Tennessee's got to keep the pedal to the floor, even if they do get an early lead, because this LSU team is not going to be phased if they fall down early. LSU also very good at taking care of the ball and forcing turnovers, much like Tennessee. So. Um, not that not that Tennessee forced a ton, ton of turnovers, but they do have a good turnover margin because Hendon Hooker is so efficient and, and protective of the ball. So this will be an interesting matchup from that standpoint. Whoever wins the turnover battle, to me, is is going to have a big leg up in this game because that is such a big part of both teams' success. It's kind of one of those games where you might think it's kind of like a, and this is always the truth, uh, the truth in football, but especially in some of these bigger games, you know, you kind of go into the Super Bowl. Whoever turns it over is probably going to lose. It might be that type of game where whoever makes a couple mistakes uh, is sort of behind the eight ball because both teams do take care of the ball and, and win the turnover battle a lot. Lots. That of- was the difference in the the Florida game. Omari Thomas punching out that fumble uh, of Anthony Richardson. That that drive started late in the third quarter, and Omari punched that ball out at the beginning of the fourth quarter. But both teams have been swapping scores the entire third quarter, and then after that play, Tennessee goes down the field, scores, and. Uh, Florida was was having a, to really play catch up, and they almost caught them. And in in hindsight, that proved to be the difference in the game is uh, Tennessee getting a, a stop there. So uh, I, I'm not worried about the Tennessee offense. I, I I think the Tennessee defense is the big question mark. Can they corral Jane Daniels? They they did a a decent job against Anthony Richardson, I would say, in terms of Richardson scrambling around. It certainly wasn't what Matt Corral did to Tennessee last year. Uh, inside of Neyland Stadium. Uh, but the, the bigger question to me is LSU's passing game has really struggled, Wes. Really, really struggled. But, it, but, but it's, been, it's been good against bad defenses. It, yes, uh, it, it has. Uh, it, it certainly has. And I, I don't know how to feel overall uh, about the Tennessee defense. I, I don't want to label it a bad defense because I, I do think Tennessee's defensive front uh, is doing good things. I think they're doing a pretty good job of bottling up the run outside of the long run that Pitt had. Uh, but that secondary, it's just hard not to think about that secondary when you think of the Tennessee defense. But uh, I, I do think that those are that that's going to probably be the matchup um, outside of the obvious ones to pay attention to. Is that that LSU passing game has has not at least it's coming off a really bad week. 85, 80 passing yards. Uh, the receivers had four catches for 32 yards on 13 targets, and and there were some bad throws from Daniels, but there were also some drops. That that LSU passing game did not look good last week against a, a bad Auburn team, and uh, the the Tennessee secondary certainly did not look good uh, its last time out either. Hey, I had one other thought, uh, just with, with this being uh, a, a game that Tennessee is is obviously already loving the fact that they're not having to play a night game, as you said, but that 11 a.m. start. Uh, local time, I do wonder if that's something that really might play into Tennessee's favor because they're a morning practice team, uh, as we've discussed before. And, and if you think back to last year, some of Tennessee's most dominating performances were noon games. Um, they came out and got off to a great start against Pitt, led 10 nothing in that game, ended up blowing that one later, but got off to a good start in that one. And then later on, had two of their absolutely most dominating performances against Missouri and South Carolina in noon games. So We'll see if that's a factor, but I, I definitely think the, the kick time is an advantage for Tennessee, not just because that Tiger Stadium crowd is maybe less likely to be a factor uh, in this one, but also because Tennessee, it, it's kind of right in their wheelhouse because they practice at 9 a.m. every day. They do. Yeah, and, and Wes, my, my final thought before 
we get out of here. Just on, on the flip side of that, <laughs> Tennessee secondary versus LSU's receivers. Uh, I, I'm real curious to see how LSU secondary looks against uh, Hendon Hooker and uh, a Tennessee receiver unit that that looks like is is going to be without Cedric Tillman because LSU secondary looked good the first four games. Uh, it, it played really well uh, against Mississippi State and the air raid, although. I, I do feel like that was a fluky game for Mississippi State. You had a lot of wasted opportunities on fourth and one in mm-hmm. which Mississippi State was aggressive and tried to go for it and, and didn't get it. I mean, I'm talking three or four fourth downs that, that they went for and, and didn't get. Uh, and then you had a muffed punt that, that kind of proved to be the difference in the game that, that gave the ball uh, to LSU right near the goal line or, or in the red zone. So, uh, LSU secondary looked good through the first four games. It shut down the air raid, and then it goes to Auburn and allows Robbie Ashford, who is a heck of an athlete, yes. isn't that good of a passer or a quarterback, and he had a field day, threw for 270 yards. Guys were running open. So I'm, I'm real curious to see how LSU secondary looked because it looked good the, the first four games, and then against a bad, bad, bad Auburn offense, Robbie Ashford was throwing left and right, dimes left and right. I think those are two really good points to end on. Uh, I think Ben made a good point, and I also think that Ryan's point about Tennessee practicing every day at whatever it is, 8.55, and that means you're coming in for meetings around 7.30 or 8, usually too. So so Tennessee's up and at him usually as Gus is barking his face off right now, which I'm guessing is the cue that we <laughs> will go ahead and end this thing. So, guys, uh, thanks, uh, thanks for being here, and uh, we will catch both of you really soon. I think Ben's sooner than Ryan, but we'll catch both of you soon. See you, buddy. Thanks, Wes. See you guys. There's that button. And now I can say thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Guys, thank you. Thank you for listening. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. You can also go uh, to twitter.com slash govals247 and facebook.com slash govals247 to get all of the stuff there or most of the stuff there. We got stuff on there that we update throughout the day, all day, every day. Tons of stuff on there. All good stuff. But if you want that best, most delicious, that sparkling, delicious, crystal clear East Tennessee Smoky Mountain Spring Water right from the tap. Go directly to GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets to get coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball coverage. We cover Tennessee baseball better than anybody out there. We got that for you. We got Lady Vols coverage with award-winning Maria Cornelius, who covers all things Lady Vols for us. You also get administration news. Basically, anytime anything happens over there at the University of Tennessee, we bring it to you at GoVols247.com. We also have two forums that run around the clock, the Checkerboard and the Summit, where you can go and discuss uh, anything you want that is not political or religious in nature, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and we will be there to discuss it with you. Just about one of us is up just about all the time, at least, so you can go in there and do that. And you can get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month, and that's after a free trial, and that's always. A lot of times we have better deals than that, but at least we have the seven-day free trial, and then you can start paying us. And when you start paying us, again, which is less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month, if you do that, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, which is the streaming arm of CBS, Viacom, Paramount, all of it. Get all of it right there. And it's, I mean, you got stuff, brand new movies, exclusive movies, exclusive shows. You get stuff from the vaults of uh, Smithsonian, Nickelodeon, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, all of it. And obviously everything CBS has ever done commercial free. That's a $100 plus annual value that we'll put in your pocket for nothing. For nothing. So we're giving you several hundred dollars worth of stuff for less than 100 bucks a year. Guys, that is an unbelievable deal. So please, this is a great time. Go take advantage of that now. Uh, if you haven't heard from us uh, from a couple days, there's been a problem. We should be back here uh, in, in a couple days or so. You'll hear from us very, very shortly. Until then, guys, be good to each other. Be decent to each other. Please, there's not nearly enough of that in our world anymore. God, we are so mean to each other. Have some basic human empathy. Allow people their dignity. 
Try to be kind. Be good to each other. Until then, be good, guys. See you. Where's Wes at? I, I, he already put my comments out there, so <laughs> he, he had direct quotes. The chilling new original docuseries on Paramount+. Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and $15,000 a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control-Alt-Desire, now streaming on Paramount+.